Greetings, 501st Cast listeners. Welcome to 501st Cast Classics, where we re-release episodes from way back in the early years of our podcast. We hope you enjoy this little trip down memory lane. We found the computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming organization. Stay tuned for global news from the front lines of the Empire as the men and women of Vader's Fist celebrate more than a decade of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer work. And here are your hosts. Take it away, troopers. Copy that. And welcome everybody to episode 9 of the 501st cast, the official podcast of Vader's Fist, the Fighting 501st. I'm your host, Dean, TK899. And this is Barza, DZ8772. And I'm podcasting's Rich Siegfried, IC9577. And Rich, welcome from from beyond the nether worlds of post-production. And Varza, welcome back from uh, the world of a broken microphone. Uh, it's nice to be back. I've missed it. So. You're still a little bit broken, though. You're not, not quite as clear as you normally would be, but that's okay. Yeah. We're just glad to have you back because, well, because we're helpless when it comes to MySpace questions, as our listeners found <laughs> out last week. And um, we had absolutely, like, no idea how MySpace works and, and like, how you add friends and this and that. And uh, <laughs> one of our stories happened to be about like this this kid who wanted MySpace friends, and he had this million friend wish thing, which none of us understood. So anyway, glad to have you back. And uh, I'm happy to report that the 501st Legion, as of this recording, is at 3,872 members, with a total of 5,630 costumes. Now, Varza, why are you here? You're here to tell us about. The 501st Cast MySpace page. Don't forget, you can always find us at 501st.com slash podcast or at our MySpace page at MySpace.com slash 501st Cast. And currently, we have 340 friends, which is growing every single day. And one of the reasons that our friends are growing there is, well, I like to think, because of Stump the Trooper, which is our new 501st Cast uh, game show that we've we just completed, uh, well, we just had our second episode with Kathy Van Buren again, TD9989, uh, or TK9989, I should say. I don't think she has a TD, which is a sand trooper. She's, she's a uh, stormtrooper and an imperial officer. But um, we actually select winners for that show for the Stump the Trooper podcast from our MySpace friends list. So be sure you sign up at 501st.com slash podcast or myspace.com slash 501st cast and you could be randomly selected to win some free 501st swag so that's pretty cool and quick congratulations to our MySpace friend Cheesehead Garrison I hope that's not his given name who won our second episode (laughs) of Stump the Trooper and um, again congratulations to Kathy for helping out with that that was awesome. So head over to 501st.com slash podcast to take a listen to it and make sure you sign up to be our MySpace friend so that you too have the chance to be a listener contestant. Uh, 501st members, be sure you sign up posting in the podcast thread in our internal forums or send us an email at podcast at 501st.com. Which incidentally, turns out that the Stump the Troopers segment is the highest downloaded of all of our episodes, those two episodes. Are you kidding me? They're, they're. I'm not kidding you. They are almost a quarter or 25 percent higher download rate than the rest really? of the episodes. So clearly, those are the fan favorites. So you know, I think we're our, onto something. If our numbers don't get up any higher, we have to start sticking that segment in this show. Well, hopefully, make uh, people listen to the other crap. So well, I'm hoping that the. the, the part. Uh, the return of Varza and uh, the return of Rich might boost the ratings for this particular podcast. But uh, wow, I'm really I'm, I'm surprised to hear that. I guess you know it, it goes. It, you know, it's my theory that people don't like to listen to us talking about all this boring stuff. You know, they like the fun stuff, the goofy stuff. Okay, so moving right along with this episode, we've got some highlights that include another Hasbro tribute to a Legion member. A little bit of fanboys news, nothing too dramatic, but something to, to kind of whet your appetite. Uh, the introduction of a new 501st unit in South America, and a segment we're calling The Juicing of Lore, who is one of our regular hosts. So 
let's move right along and see what this episode has in store for us. Earlier this month, the Star Garrison members did a photo shoot for Wired Magazine with Fanboy's writer, Ernest Klein. They spent about five hours posing for photos. At the end, they even got Ernie to try on the Exo's armor for a couple photos. Afterwards, they were fortunate enough to be able to go out to dinner with Ernie and his wife and chat more about the future of Fanboy's. Now, I'm not sure about you guys. I, I recently rented a DVD. I don't recall which one it was, but the Fanboy's trailer was on the beginning of it. So this is... As we've spoken before, this is far more than your run-of-the-mill fan film. This is actually getting a theatrical distribution, I believe. It's getting trailers put on front of regular DVDs. This is something that's really going to just kind of blow up, I think. I think it's going to start off with this cult following online where people are talking about it, and then once it actually hits the world, I think it's really going to blow up. Well, Rich, it's interesting you, you're talking like that because it sounds like you are not really in tune with what's going on with fanboys. Do you know about apparently the whole, I'm not. Do you know all about <laughs> uh, the controversy that's going on right now? All this business. About, I am not. Please. Okay. Well, let me know. Well, one, What's of, up? The, one of the all of our listeners are probably laughing right now because they are so in the know with this stuff, and it's been covered on other other podcasts. You know, the the, the Force Cast and some other Star Wars podcasts. But essentially, to get rich up to date, let me explain. The, uh, I would just like to add one thing: the only Star Wars podcast I listen to is the only one worth listening to, and that's the Five O First Cast. Oh, thank you very much. Well, well, after you listen to this episode, you'll be up to date. Well, basically what's going on is the, the main script of Fanboys, uh, if you followed it at all, maybe through ain'titcoolnews.com or any of these other fan sites, was that it's a group of friends who get together and try to steal a print of the Episode 1 film from Skywalker Ranch. But the reason they're doing this is, you know, the film has some heart to it. The reason they're doing it is because one of the friends has cancer and they don't think he's going to live long enough to see the actual film when it debuts. So, you know, again, we're going back in time now. This is set in 1999 or 1998. And that is a critical element as far as I'm concerned to making this a movie with a lot of heart and soul and something that really follows what uh, the 501st stands for. You know, we are friends, we get together, we do fun stuff, but at the end of the day, the troops and the events and stuff that we do really are to make a difference in people's lives. And uh, a lot of the times we deal with things like cancer and sick children and whatnot. But what's going on apparently is that the, I guess it's the producers of the film, um, are thinking about releasing a cut of the movie that has the whole cancer plot removed from it. And uh, a lot of Star Wars fans are basically up in arms about this whole thing. So... Oh. We really don't know. Yeah, because instead, instead of it, them breaking into Skywalker Ranch for the reason, it's more of we're just going to break into Skywalker Ranch and try to steal print of the movie beforehand because, you know, it, it would be cool and fun to do to see it before everybody else. I would recommend strongly if, if those guys are listening, which of course they are, that they not do that, not only because of the the heartwarming feel of that point, but also this plot has been done in a fan film before. The original yeah. film was, as far as I recall, called Fanboys. That's a yep. familiar title already. Although that gentleman was under the guise that it was uh, that the Star Wars movies were actually rebe- uh, rebel propaganda against the Empire, that all of this was true and that George Lucas was a prophet and that they were actually putting these movies out to give the Empire a bad name, which <laughs> we all agree is true. But they actually went in and tried to steal a print so that way they could, uh, you know, they wanted to see it at first, but then they, they, it was because it was uh, they found out that it was supposed to be like this uh, twisted documentary and everything, and they really wanted to see it. But it, the plot lines are so incredibly similar. At first, I thought it was these guys getting a chance to do a, a uh, professional version of the film, much like what Sam Raimi did yeah. with the original Evil Dead, where he made the, you know, 16-millimeter version and then was able to make the theatrical release. But if it's seeming like they're just not only aping a previous plot, but then cutting out one of the sole original concepts in their version of the film, there's going to be a hell of a lot of backlash. Yeah, and there's I know there's quite a few people that are in the Legion itself are upset because we have a pretty heavy um, participation in the film with a lot of our troopers that give their time and their efforts to help the filmmakers and make it, putting the armor together that they use in the movie and things like that. And a lot of things were donated and a lot of people are upset because they went in there thinking this movie was one thing and now it's going to be into something else. And they 
our people are worried it's going to look bad on us as well. I mean, and like you said, it's going to be too close to the original fan film that's out there. And it's just going to be out there to basically make fun of Star Wars fans then because we know they're not going to be painted in a, in a normal or cool light. Yeah. That it, if if that is something that actually does happen, if they because you know it's still it's still unconfirmed whether or not yeah, they're actually going to cut that out. But right, if they do, right. let's face it, it's just going to be making fun of Star Wars fans. Yeah, they tested it one gone. way, and and I guess some people were in the audience were during the test audience were upset with the cancer plot line, so they took it out and they tested it again. And from what I remember reading, that Ernie said is that they tested pretty much exactly the same. So it's very possible. So they just say the movie sucks? <laughs> so they pretty much said it, it tested the same, um, but people were, like, upset because, you know, the, it's it's sad. You're going in for comedy and there's a sad plot line. So they're like, okay, we'll test it. But it tested just as well as the original did. So there, it's getting really good, you know, scores during the test, um, the test audiences, but they just wanted to make sure that they were getting put out the thing that, I guess, gets more people not an audience than anything else. Yeah, I had heard a rumor that part of the the corporate mentality was that any film that mentions the word cancer in it um, doesn't do as well, uh, or spe- specifically if it's supposed to be a comedy. In this particular case, obviously, yeah. there's a lot of humor involved. But they say that you know you mention the word cancer, and then no one's going to laugh at anything for like five to seven minutes or something. So yeah, um, you know, I, I I don't know. I just have to disagree with the whole thing. I mean, let it be what it is. And mm-hmm. I have to mention that it. None of this, like we said, is it, none of it is really confirmed. You know, Hollywood's, you know, they're they're kind of something obviously is going on though because they've done reshoots, they've delayed the release of the film uh, two or three over times now. Two years since they filmed it, and almost it's been over a year since it was originally supposed to be released. Exactly, and we were just dying to see yeah. Lore on there. You know, we know he plays yes. he plays an integral part to the film, and uh, it's keeping the. Uh, <laughs> You know, the 501st cast listeners on their toes. But, you know, one more thing I did want to mention is that I've been reading the Making of Star Wars book by J.W. Rinsler. And that's a fantastic making of book, by the way. And I highly recommend it to everybody. There's some fantastic rare photos in it, but the story is interesting. One of the things that they did is they debuted the original uh, you know, episode four a couple different uh, test screenings. And one of them, I think, in San Francisco – Everybody in the theater loved it, and they went nuts. And then they did another one, like later that night or a couple of days later, and um, in a different location. And it was a completely different reaction, and people hated it. And that's part of the reason that you know everybody was nervous when Star Wars first came out. They had no idea how it was going to do. George was convinced that it was going to be a complete flop, uh, you know, and to the point of you know leaving the country, going to well, going to Hawaii anyway. Um, so, you know, I think they just need to let the film be what it is. Remember that a lot of the the target audience are are going to be these quote-unquote fanboys or fangirls, people that have a vested interest in this type of thing, people who know about our culture, the subculture of, of whether it's costuming or getting together for conventions, um, but also knowing that there's a lot of heart behind it, and that's what they're they're really doing. They're cutting the heart out of this thing, which... Um, I really hate to see that happen. So, it is yet to be seen, but that's just your little bit of little bit of fanboys update. The cool part of this article, or this this report, was that the Five First members did get to hang out with the uh, the writer of the uh, of the film, and he was very appreciative, and he was still very positive about uh, how he you know thought everything was going to turn out. So. There you go. And we'll definitely report when uh, this issue of Wired Magazine comes out, and we're hoping for a pretty cool photo shoot in there and some exposure for the 501st. Okay, so moving right along, the trailer for honorary member and Star Wars illustrator Matt Bush's How to Draw Star Wars Season 2 is now online, and we'll have a link to it in our show notes at 501st.com slash podcast and you'll note that many members of the 501st Great Lakes Garrison who represent Michigan helped out with this video and you're going to see them in a couple different scenes and uh, of course Matt Bush he was a uh, an interviewee on our podcast a couple episodes back and he has expressed uh, a lot of interest in the 501st and a lot of support of course 
And he did mention this uh, this season two of How to Draw Star Wars, which is pretty cool. So, again, we're going to have the show notes for this and the link to it, and you should definitely check it out and look forward to some really cool Star Wars, Indiana Jones, 501st kind of crossover mix things happening. Now, I got a quick question for you, Dean. With the How to Draw Star Wars, is the second season going to be released online like the first season was? The second season is going to be released online, and I believe it's exclusively through StarWars.com, which is where the first season was released, in addition to, if I'm not mistaken, Matt Bush's uh, How to Draw Star Wars MySpace page. So, again, I have no idea how MySpace works. I think it's a bunch of hamsters running around in wheels and maybe a couple flashlights or something. But Varza, I'm sure she'll be on top of that and um, definitely will let our listeners know when that does go live. As we mentioned in the last episode, um, how Commander Rex from the 501st Legion was going to be playing a major part in the upcoming Clone Wars cartoon, which we now know is going to debut in North American theaters on August 15th. But the opportunity to troop in a theater again for a Star Wars movie is not the only source of anticipation for Legion members, although it is a major one. For some, it's the debut of new costumes and the joys and struggles of recreating them is just as exciting and challenging. And challenging it will be because unlike many of the movie costumes, those from the cartoons have no real-life counterparts that we can study, take pictures of in museum exhibits, and deconstruct their construction from promo shots. Also, the 501st requires costumes to be non-stylized, even if they are based upon cartoons. Okay, so this is sort of a, a little bit different segment than we normally have on the show, but it's kind of a kind of a just discussion segment. Basically, what's happening here is a lot of people are getting geared up for this Clone Wars cartoon. A lot of members have seen the new paint scheme for, well, we call them Commander Rex, and he was I think Hasbro originally called him Commander Rex, but he's actually, I think, going to be Captain Rex. But he represents the 501st Legion in the Clone Wars uh, computer animated series. Now, um, this paint scheme, you know, our members are just so excited about any kind of new canon costumes that come out, new characters. So they've gone ahead and they want to do their own Captain Rex costume. But once it goes beyond the paint scheme, though, we need to be a little bit more careful because, as you said, the 501st to be to have an eligible costume, it has to be non-stylized, and and I equate this to having say two different styles of a of an action figure. For example, Hasbro does have what they call like the realistic three and three quarter inch action figures, and then you've got the series that they released from the previous Clone Wars cartoon, which were a little bit more stylized. And if you put those figures side by side. The scale might be very similar, but if you look at them, the shapes of the helmet and the armor, uh, even faces and hair, all those things are stylized, which does make them different. Now imagine how that would translate into real life if we were to have a realistic-looking costume standing next to a cartoon costume, and that sort of shatters the image. At least that's the uh, that's the debate. So this is also going to be similar for whenever the Force Unleashed comes out? Yeah, exactly. You know, we're talking about something that doesn't exist in um, in real plastic or in real cloth or in real fiberglass, whatever yeah. it is that they're using to build these um, these costumes from. So, you know, and this and this problem actually goes back to episode two when the clone troopers were first debuted. There there were no clone trooper costumes made like they had in the original series with the stormtroopers. <clears throat> All right. Well, our next news story is from honorary member Matt Wood, best known for providing the voice for the Star Wars villain suffering from a perpetual bout of bronchitis, General Grievous, has been nominated along with Christopher Scarbosia for an Academy Award for Achievement in Sound Editing for There Will Be Blood. The 80th Annual Academy Awards will be airing Sunday, February 24th. And, of course, we here at the 501st cast would like to wish Matt all the luck in the world. Oh, that's awesome. Now, I have not seen that movie, There Will Be Blood. Does you guys have a, any reviews? Is that something I'd want to check out or no? It was bloody. Lots of blood? I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to see it. It looks like a, a, a standard Daniel Day-Lewis movie, which is incredibly intense. And I haven't been in the mood to see an incredibly intense movie lately. So, oh, Well, I like Daniel Day-Lewis. He's, he's always good. I, yeah, I love him, but it's just not sure. I want to go. I have to be in the right mood to go see his movies because sometimes it's just if there's too much else going on in the world, I get distracted and I want to pay attention to what's going on. Is so, it can it be any bloodier than uh, what was it? Gangs of New York. That was pretty bloody. I mean, he was he was the butcher, right? Bill the yeah. butcher, Bob the butcher, yep, he was. Ben the butcher. He, he was some sort of butcher. I think Bob the butcher. That's a new show on Nickelodeon. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're really trying to uh, aim for the serial killer children's line. <laughs> it's a big demographic that's untouched. Right yeah. Now. yeah, Bob the Butcher. <laughs> can we kill it? Yes, we can. <laughs> okay, well, congratulations oh to God. Matt Wood. And uh, I remember one of our members was saying that they are very excited about watching the Academy Awards because they cannot wait for him to win. And they say in the Academy Award goes to... General Grievous. So, um, but awesome. That, that's so awesome. You know, Thank you. Well, you know, and I have to say this actually, you know, getting back to being serious now, um, this is fantastic because um, I tend to think that Matt Wood, he, he's he's such a talent when it comes to audio, and when he goes to conventions, he ends up signing, you know, General Grievous action figures and photos of General Grievous, and people say, oh, he's the voice of General Grievous, but he is so much more than that that it's fantastic that he's, you know, still being recognized for that fact, you know. Um, that's one of the pitfalls, I guess, of being associated with a Star Wars character is that you will always be that character. You know, go ask Mark Hamill or Harrison Ford, you know, but they just, you know, it's not that they hate it, but you can tell that they're not happy with being sort of like that character uh, on a perpetual basis. So, anyway, yes, Matt Wood, talented, honorary member of the Legion, and we see him a lot of conventions and everything and hang out with him, and he's a very cool guy. In Dark Horse Comics, Star Wars Legacy Number 0, artist and 501st honorary member Jan Dersema selected Legion member Thomas Spanos, SL 1876, as the model for the expanded universe character of Ganner Krieg. Now, Spanos, an accomplished costumer, then painstakingly scratch-built his own set of Imperial Knight armor based upon Dersema's illustrations. To complete the art-imitates-life-imitates-art-imitates-life cycle... Confused yet? Hasbro recently announced at Toy Fair 2008 that a new Star Wars action figure comic two-pack featuring Ganner Krieg and Antares Draco will now be released. Now, Antares Draco, this is a little sidebar, uh, is played by or is based upon 501st honorary member Doug Wangler, who plays another Expanded Universe character, uh, or who was the basis for another Expanded Universe character, Quinlan Voss. So, for more photos of Hasbro's comic figure 2-pack, visit uh, rebelscum.com's Toy Fair 2008 coverage, and we will have a uh, link in our show notes to where you can learn more about the creation of the Ganner Krieg armor on Thomas Spanos' website. Now, wait, whether or not the Imperial Knight characters are accepted into the 501st has yet to be determined, but you Expanded Universe fans can keep your fingers crossed. Congratulations, Thomas. That's really cool. That's very cool. That's so very cool. Now I'm yeah. going to go and get my own little Thomas to put in my collection. <laughs> I think that deserves a slow 80s clap. <laughs> You're making this so anticlimactic. This is cool stuff, though, guys. This is, <laughs> this is, this is, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to say, yes, good job. I think, honestly, that deserves that slow 80s clap. We're just like, wait a second, that's... Yes, that's something we shouldn't applaud, and then everybody gets involved in it. See, there we go. See, we got it. As we briefly mentioned in another pod, a previous podcast, we have our Traveling Trooper program. We just received word that Jet Wash slash TI 2.5 has landed in New Orleans, although he did make some stops at some historic landmarks around this culture-rich city, like the Statue of Joan of Arc, made of, Maiden of Orleans, and the famous above-ground burial chambers, he also seemed to spend an inordinately large amount of time posing with many beautiful women of New Orleans, thanks to Templar TI-7091 for that report. And to catch up with the other traveling troopers, TK-0.5 is at home in Garrison Excelsior with traveling trooper liaison Duane, TD-2709. Tree Dodger TB-1.5 is inspecting the Golden Gate Garrison and the Carl... Crimson TR 3.5 is with the Star Garrison's North Texas squad. And uh, in case you people don't really know who all those are, the TK would be a small stormtrooper. The TD would be a small uh, sand trooper. I'm sorry. Actually, TD is Dwayne. <laughs> Not such a small sand, sand trooper. Uh, TB is the biker scout. And uh, TR is the Royal Guard. So uh, yep. now we've been trying to get a lot of those. Uh, if you go to bikerscout.net, you can actually read a little bit more about Tree Dodger. And TK half, TK 0.5, has a blog on 501st.com. Uh, I'm not sure if the Little Royal Guard has a any kind of blog someplace, but um, hopefully we're going to try to actually consolidate maybe a lot of those in the next coming year and put them all 
on 501st.com so you can kind of follow their exploits. But keep an eye out for them as they're traveling around, and it's always fun to get pictures with these little characters. And once again, you know, they've been pictured with Rick McCallum and other celebrities, so, you know, these are, these are the world's smallest celebrities in their own right, I guess. Next to Gary Coleman. Now, I have an extra news bite that wasn't in our show notes that I wanted to throw out there just before I get to the next news, that the gentleman who played Darth Maul, Ray Park, he was recently cast as Snake Eyes in the G.I. Joe movie coming up. So as Ed, the poor guy never seems to get a break to actually speak. I think the only role that I've seen him in that where he actually spoke was as Toad in X-Men. But, of course, we all know that Pete Serafinowicz did the voice of Darth Maul in Phantom Menace. But it's, it's just awesome to see somebody like Ray Park, who is talented as hell, getting to play such an awesome character like Snake Eyes in the, uh, in the new G.I. Joe movie. Very cool. He's in the Fanboys movie, too. See, there you go. All, I don't know if he has a speaking role or not. It all comes full circle. Yeah, I think he, he yeah. plays a security guard or something like that. Yeah, he he plays a security guard at Skywalker Ranch. So, nice. And he signed Laura's car. He autographed the back of Laura's car while he was there. <laughs> and he hasn't washed it since. <laughs> he varnished it or something, <laughs> put it on there so it doesn't... <laughs> yeah, did, did he just like sign his like with his finger pushing into the dirt? Is that how he signed it? <laughs> so he's no, gonna have this so all this really happy. clean space. The entire car is gonna be clean, and there's one dirty chunk with an autograph in it. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, he washed the car to make sure it would be nice and clean when he signed it, and then he sprayed it, and it's it's nice and shiny now. But yeah, it's pretty cool. He seems like a really great guy. I haven't had a chance to meet him yet, so. One day. Incidentally, you can find Laura's car on eBay. Every time I see Stackpole, every time I get him to sign something, I always tell him to sign it to eBay. <laughs> but then he puts up something really nice about me, which sucks. So anyway, the, and speaking of Mike Stackpole, coming up at StellarCon in a couple weeks, I'm going to be getting an interview with the man. I'm also aiming for an interview with Timothy Zahn and Aaron Alston. Should be able to secure those. I've interviewed those gentlemen before. They're really awesome cats. And, of course, Stackpole is just awesome. Those interviews will hopefully be coming soon to the 501st cast. Very cool. All right, the next news item. The 501st Legion officially has a new unit for South America, the 501st Bolivia Outpost became official on Monday, February 18th. So welcome. We're looking forward to watching you guys grow along with the many other garrisons throughout the world. Yeah, welcome. Yay. And, and uh, you know, it's funny because in an earlier episode of the 501st cast, we actually did report on an event in Bolivia. Actually, I guess at that time, that was not an official outpost. So we sort of jumped the gun. We apologize for the error and promise to punish whoever made that report. <laughs> that person was probably just psychic. I was going to say, probably was me, actually. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, well, let's move right along. And now we have a brief musical segment from the 501st Nordic Garrison. Enjoy. Look, sir, droids. rest of that song and also watch the video check out our show notes at 501st.com slash podcast uploading and linking with your visor sir well we've got a few mission reports for you in this episode on february 9th tk7908 and tx1601 from the mexican garrison joined forces with the commanding officer of the Rebel Legion's Mexican base and some members of the local Star Wars fan club to assist Wild Coast in cleaning up the Tijuana Beach in Mexico. About 1,200 people 
total participated in this cleanup event, which gathered almost two tons of trash. And this won't be the last time we see troopers at the beach, as Wild Coast has already contacted the 501st Mexican garrison in hopes of having more Legion troopers at future cleanup events. Thanks to Carlos, TX1601, for that report. Sure, that's the reason why they went to the Tijuana Beach. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure, to clean it up. All right. Yeah, we see how it is. Hey, troopers gotta have fun. As we mentioned in a previous podcast, the German garrison participated in a series of parades around Germany for the 2008 Carnival season. The kickoff was the parade in Bad Kreuznach. This was the fifth year the German garrison marched this parade. Total of 75 troops from Germany, Belgium, Italy, Switzerland, the U.S., and the U.K. and the Netherlands marched in this parade. They had an enormous parade float that looked like a massive metallic troop transport. After the parade, most of the troops went back to warm up. But but a few diehards uh, continued on at a night parade in Bingen-Budesheim. The following morning was the next parade in Wiesbaden, the state capital of Hessen. Forty troopers marched the six-kilometer parade in nice sunny weather. At the same time, other troopers were marching in a parade in Braunschweig. Day three saw some of the troops move on to Aachen for the next parade. Unfortunately, the weather turned, and it was it was cold and rainy for this march. And finally, that evening, a smaller group of troops took the transport for a final spin for a parade in Niederholm. I tell you, those German garrison events, they're uh, really raising the bar, and whew, that's a lot of troops. They don't do things small in Germany. Absolutely. They don't name anything normal, regular language either. <laughs> well, you know, and they, they don't do things small there, and, and nor should they. They are, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the world's largest 501st unit. So yep. there you go. How many members do they have? They have over 300, correct? Uh, I don't think it's quite 300. Uh, Nikki's, our behind-the-scene probe droid, is looking it up right now. I think it's closer to 200-something. Anybody else want to guess? The price is right. I say about two... <laughs> I'm saying like 260-something. Somewhere between 14 no, two, and 287. How many is it? <laughs> yeah, two, 286. 286. So I was, hey, little, I, was, I was pretty close. Rich cheated, by the way. He's got a little cue card in front of him. I, anyway. No, I waited until Nikki posted it in the chat. But anyway. <laughs> Very good. Over 120 troopers and squires from seven different garrisons and Rebel Legion bases were on deck at the Franklin Institute in Pennsylvania for the grand opening of the Where Science Meets Imagination Star Wars exhibit. Even the entrance to the museum is breathtaking, with huge banners hanging down the front columns and the front face of each massive stone step carefully decorated such that from a distance you see a ten times larger-than-life Vader helmet. The museum has already contacted 501st Garrison Corita for an encore performance for closing weekend in an event dubbed May the 4th Be With You, on May 4th, I suspect, and continues to call upon them for numerous other events in the meantime. Um, I was wondering exactly what is a squire. That's not a term I've heard um, used that often. Well, I'm glad you asked. Oftentimes, squires can be handlers. They're, they're typically referred to as handlers. Sometimes they can even be actual members, or sometimes just the spouses or family members of members. We actually had our very own Nikki do an audio report from on-site, and let's listen to that right now. Well, this is Nikki, DZ8397. I'm live from the Star Wars exhibit where science meets imagination. That's at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. First thing you see when you enter the exhibit is a model X-Wing. And we have a land speeder. They have videos and audio commentary with all of these different displays. There's an entire room filled with props, models, costumes. There's the pod racer. Plus they have all these interactive stations where the kids can learn more about how the science of Star Wars relates to the science of our world. Each of the Rebel Legion and 501st members that are here today are seeking out their own costumes and taking as many detailed pictures as they can to try to make improvements on their own costumes. We have the, the Anakin costumers standing with the Anakin and Obi-Wan displays. Our Mace costumer that's here pouring over the Mace Windu robes. And they even have a display of my own costume, a little Jawa with a sand crawler and a blaster. This is the uh, costume that basically I used to make my own. I don't know if you guys saw the video from the um, opening of the Science Meets Imagination exhibit in Philly. I did not. 
It is really, really cool. They did an amazing job at the event. They have um, maybe that we can link it in the, in the um, show notes after the fact, too. They had a big lightsaber battle um, on the steps on Vader's head. So we watched it the other night. It was really cool. And well, I'm all jealous. I want to go back to Philadelphia and, and, and just, like, watch watch them do it over again. Very cool. Well, I do I do do know one thing is that I saw photos of the of the entrance um, to the museum there, and uh, or to the Franklin Institute, and the way the troopers all lined up on those steps. And let me tell you, like I said a second ago, you you do not have very good peripheral vision inside of a stormtrooper helmet, and to march down all of those steps and to not have everyone anyone fall, I mean that's a major accomplishment right there. On February 10th, the Dubac Ridge Squad, which covers New Mexico for the Mountain Garrison, held their second blood drive. And while the drive got off to a rocky start with the Bloodmobile showing up about 45 minutes earlier than planned, they were still able to collect 17 units of blood, which is about all they could handle during the four-hour period. A total of nine 501st members, one handler, two Rebel Legion members, and two Star Trek people showed up to support the drive. Five of those volunteers even went so far as to donate blood themselves while in costume. Hopefully next time they'll send two out two blood mobiles so even more donations can be collected. Thanks to Lore, TK7883, for that report. And while donating blood himself and not passing out this time, other donators in costume were Jen DZ7348, James TK5115, Tyler, T-I-8488, and Elias from the Rebel Legion, who was a Jedi. Well, very cool, and uh, we're always excited to hear about um, our friends in the Rebel Legion, and always not so excited to hear about Star Trek people. I saw you, well, you, you slipped that in there. Not yeah, well, you know what, they they got us involved with the Toys for Tots events here in Albuquerque, and it's kind of a way they come out every once in a while, support us. They're really good at helping um carry the signs around and um, they can be some handlers for the guys in armor out on the, on the patio. Cause basically at the time we had um, our handler was having to babysit at the same time in the, in the store we were at. So, and I was there, but I was working in the store at the time. So they are really good at making sure and helping out the troopers out there when there's um, the handlers can't be right there when the guys need some help. I know. I'm just trying Excuse to... Excuse me. To... Star Trek people should be used for more than just slave labor. <laughs> How'd that red shirt get in here? Yeah. We're a viable community source, all right? We contribute lots to the community and also to lots of good things and stuff like that, like Star Trek and slobber. Okay. We have a pretty good relationship with our <laughs> local Star that... Trek group, though. That was pretty Good funny. relationships Rich. with the nerds we have. All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Rich is going to have to clean, clean off his microphone after that. <laughs> I told you I practice safe podcasting. I have a popper stopper. I may have to <laughs> ring it out after this episode. Disgusting. All right. On February 8th and 9th, the Great Lakes Garrison in Michigan participated in Richmond's Winter and Ice Festival, which had a Star Wars theme this year. The fun started Friday evening with a children's carnival and continued on through Saturday with the Ice Festival. Around town, there were outdoor displays of about 25 different Star Wars-themed ice sculptures, like Princess Leia, Darth Vader, an X-Wing, Jabba the Hutt, a stormtrooper with a bouquet of flowers, Yoda, Boba Fett, and many more. A total of 11 501st members, including guests from Midwest and Bloodfin garrisons, and two Rebel Legion members volunteered between the two events. Thanks to Blasty, TK5037, for that report. So did you guys have a chance to check out the pictures from that? We should probably see if we can put a link in our show notes or something if we have these because it's really cool to see these ice sculptures. And I don't know if they were done by one person or if it was a contest and they were all done by different artists. You mentioned like the stormtrooper with a bouquet of flowers. Well, I think that was positioned in front of like an FTD flower store or something, which was why <laughs> why he was holding uh, the flowers. But there were some really cool sculptures. And that's pretty cool that, this, that Richmond was sort of uh, – uh, you know, embracing Star Wars for that uh, for that festival, and you saw these sculptures all around town, uh, which is a pretty neat thing, you know. And, and some of them were better than others, I have to say. Jabba the Hutt looked pretty good. There was a good-looking Chewbacca, Princess Leia, eh, okay. And I think there was a, a at least one Yoda. There might have been a few more. From what um, Nikki's telling us, is the whole the theme of the event was dependent on the participation of the Great Lakes Garrison 
which makes it sound like if they didn't show up, there may have been a different theme. We're not 100% sure on that. That's just speculation. Yeah, but I'm glad to know why... Star Trek. Yeah, I totally would have been there. That would have been awesome. <laughs> oh, I slobbered on my microphone. <laughs> oh, man. So, but I'm glad there's a good excuse why a stormtrooper is holding a bouquet of flowers. Yeah, I just yeah. thought I wouldn't mention that. Well, like, what are you talking about? Hey, I just got need, the picture. Troopers need love, too, you know? Yeah, maybe he was going out for a date or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a dude, all right? Knock it off. We're all dudes. <laughs> Might have to have a link to that in our show notes as well. Well, as, as we mentioned in a previous episode of the 501st cast, Star Wars The Exhibition was making a stop in Brussels, and the 501st made a huge impression on Lucasfilm representatives that were there with over 100 troopers from eight different countries participating in the opening ceremony and the first two days of the event. To top it off, the very the one and only Darth Vader hot air balloon was also able to make an appearance. Thanks to Detienne TC2377 for that report. So, very cool. I think Nikki is probably one of the only people here who's actually seen the Darth Vader balloon in person. No, that was me. I'm sorry. Nikki- Farza. Did I, did I say Nikki? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Bad. Bad host. Sorry about that. Um, it was Barza that got to see it, and Barza Lore got to see it. And Lore got to see it, too. Well, how about another uh, episode, just to break things up, a little episode of A Different Point of View from TD0013. What I told you was true. From a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Greetings from the Dune Sea. I'm your man in the field, Sand Trooper TD0013, and this is a little segment I like to call A Different Point of View, where finally you get to hear the truth from an Imperial point of view. I'd like to start off by addressing something that has become a huge misunderstanding about us stormtroopers being lousy shots. You see, most people like to use the Death Star escape scenes as a basis for this argument, and I'd like to point out a few facts to you all that will dispel this crap once and for all. Sir, we have contact on that ridge. Yeah, I see him. Confirmed kill. Nice shot, sir. Now where was I? Oh yeah. It is a known fact that Lord Vader talked Grand Moff Tarkin into allowing the Millennium Falcon to escape, in order to track it down to the hidden terrorist base. Now, I ask you, if you went through the trouble of securing a homing beacon onto a ship, why in the hell would you kill the crew? You wouldn't. In fact, not only would you let them escape, you'd help them. Let's look at some facts to back that up. The Death Star was as big as a small moon, which is to say it was f***ing huge. I was stationed there a year and I still never found the Quickie Mart on level 1138. Anyhow, there is no way, blueprints or not, that somebody who was just brought on board this thing would know their way around. There's just no way, especially when you take into account the trash compactor route as a means of escaping the detention levels. No, they would be lost, period. The only way this bunch of miscreants found their way back to their ship was because they were being herded like cattle by the Empire. See, troopers were given orders to block off any paths that wouldn't take the rebels back to their ship. They were leading them, not killing or even capturing. Trust me, if the stormtroopers had been given the order to kill Princess Leia and her criminal band, they'd have been wasted in the detention block too sweet. Now, if you want to see stormtroopers in true action, watch the opening of the first film over and over. Because when the door blows open, white-armored hell is certain to pour in and waste everything in its path. And if you still don't believe we're good shots, meet me on the range any day of the week, pal. I'm TD0013, and this has been A Different Point of View. The following has been a presentation of A Different Point of View, all rights reserved. The opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of the Empire or its subsidiary systems. www.adpov.net Updating location to objective tracker. 
Back during episode six of the 501st cast, we announced that Alvin Johnson was going to be a special guest at the Mijens Collectors Convention in France. Well, that convention is coming up this weekend, February 23rd and 24th. We're looking forward to reporting on how it went during the next episode of 501st cast. Bon voyage, Alvin. And I did confirm with Legion founder Alvin Johnson that he is going to be going, and I believe I even talked him into doing an on-site mission report. So he might come back with a cool audio clip of him actually uh, in the midst of it all. So we're looking forward to that. Very cool. We're now starting to ramp up into the season of walks and marathons for most of the units in the 501st. Here are just a few of the many that our members will be participating in over the next few months. Head on over to the show notes page for links to where you can sponsor the troopers and make donations. On April 13th, the UK Garrison members Steve, TK1902, and Ray, TK2288, will be running in the 26-mile or 40-kilometer marathon. To top it off, Steve will be running in his TK armor. He's still trying to convince Ray to join him on that point. Both will be raising funds for the 501st honorary member Jerome Blake's charity, Medicinema. Steve will also be fundraising for Make-A-Wish, and Ray will be supporting the Royal National Institute for the Blind. On March 8th, the Golden Gate Garrison will be at Sea Bowl in Pacifica, California for a Bowling for Wishes event, which benefits Make-A-Wish. For more information, you can go to bowlingforwishes.org or also visit our show notes for the link to that particular event. On March 15th, Crystal, TK8269, will be participating in the Walk to Cure Diabetes in Sarasota, Florida, in her Rose Parade-tested Stormtrooper armor. On April 11th, Star Garrison will participate in a Baytown, Texas Relay for Life. With still about 50 days to go, they're already over halfway to their goal of $3,000. On April 27th, the Canadian Garrison's Capital City Squad will be participating in the MS Walk in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. They are also over halfway to their goal. And finally, on April 27th, Mountain Garrison's Dewback Ridge Squad, including our very own Varza and Lore, will be participating in the Making Strides Against Breast Cancer Walk in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They, too, are over halfway to their goal. Once again, links to donation pages will be featured in our show notes. Very cool. We'll be out there and make sure that you do visit our show notes because our troopers, you know, we do have a lot of support from inside the Legion, but it's really our fans and our friends that that really help us to reach these goals. And remember that uh, it's not just the 501st that's out there. You can also make a difference. I'm Sand Trooper TD9993 with another important Imperial Public Service announcement. I'd like to remind all those who wish to visit the Forest Moon of Endor to please keep all pets on a leash. Last year, over 100 Ewoks were happily hunted down and destroyed. Uh, cut. Take two. Last year, over six poor lost Ewoks were humanely put to sleep by the Imperial Humane Society. So please make sure to have your pets on a leash. And also, don't forget to have your Ewoks spayed or neutered. Because if you don't, we will. This has been another Imperial Public Service announcement. And that was another very cool public service announcement from Burr of Garrison Titan. And you can also watch a video of some of TD9993's other uh, public service announcements, and we'll have a link in our show notes. We have a quick calendar of events coming up. On February 22nd, Central Garrison will be attending the Rough Riders Hockey Star Wars Night in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Central California and Golden Gate Garrisons will be spending the weekend at WonderCon in San Francisco, California, while Mid-South Garrison will be at Con Nuga in Chattanooga, Tennessee. On February 23rd, the New England Garrison will be at the UMass Lowell Hockey Night in Lowell, Massachusetts. And the Aurora Borealis Outpost in Alaska will be in the Fur Rendezvous Parade in Anchorage. On February 29th, Leap Year Day, the Southern California Garrison will be at a Make-A-Wish event in San Diego, California. The Costa Rica Outpost will be celebrating Odd Day, also known as the Extra Day due to the leap year, in San Jose, Costa Rica, which I think might be San Jose, Costa Rica, but I'm not sure. And the Southern California Garrison will be spending the weekend at Condor Convention in San Diego, California. On March 1st, Garrison Excelsior will be in Albany, New York for Kids Expo. The 70th Explorers Garrison will be making a visit to University Children's Hospital in Columbia, Missouri. Midwest Garrison will be spending the weekend at the second annual Metropolis Comic Show and the Nordic Garrison at the Scandinavian Sci-Fi Game and Film Convention. On March 2nd, the German Garrison will be at Collector's Fair in Munster. 
And on March 3rd, the New England Garrison will be attending the 6th Annual 4th Grade Acton Star Party in Acton, Massachusetts. Please note that upcoming events are always subject to change without notice, so please contact your local 501st unit before attending an event to confirm its status. Thanks to Andrew, TK3220, for compiling this list of events for us. The beginning of the end of our podcast here, we want to mention congratulations to the last episode's winner, Jay Shimko, TK130, for correctly answering the question of which room does Matt Bush keep his honorary 501st member plaque? And uh, I believe the answer was his uh, artist studio. Also, announcing the next contest for this episode. To tie in with our recent discussion of TK0.5, also known as TK Half, our question is going to be this. What inspired TD2709 to start up the concept of the Traveling Trooper? The answer is located on 501st.com, so dig around and make sure you post your answer to the Episode 9 Show Notes comments area at 501st.com slash podcast. Remember, if you've previously won, you are not eligible, so don't try it. And once again, our website address is 501st.com slash podcast, and make sure to friend us on myspace.com slash 501stcast, and forward us to all your friends so they can add us to and have a chance to win one of our contests. Exactly. And the only way to win a prize from Stump a Trooper is if you are a MySpace friend. Thanks exactly. again for joining us for this February 20th episode of the 501st Cast, Episode 9. Thank you so much, Rich, for coming from behind the scenes to join us live in our studios here. And thank you, Lar- Varza, for uh, I almost called you Larza. We had a little joke earlier about Laura and Varza <laughs> sharing the same microphone. <laughs> Sorry about that. But thank you, Varza. We are, believe it or not, happy to have you back with us. And um, we have no idea who's going to be hosting the next show, so you'll just have to listen to find out. But, again, if you have any questions, uh, post them as comments at 501st.com slash podcast. You can also email us at podcast at 501st.com. Thank you very much, everybody. Troop on. See you guys on the dark side. The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it is Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming group. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright 2008, Lucasfilm Limited, and trademark, all rights reserved, used under authorization. Nice work, Delta. Thanks for listening to this installment of 501st Cast Classics. We hope you enjoyed reliving news from the 501st Cast's early years. We plan to re-release a classic episode each month, so stay tuned.